Vegas, Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yeah, on in Reno, Vegas, it's Cofield and Company here on this Thursday. Silver Sevens is the spot. Thursday Night Football is on the way. Willie Ramirez is the company today. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Let's get to the Big Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. You know, we were just talking Bryce Harper and the Phillies and the Nevada flair flavor on the team, the flavor on the team. Harper has a chance if he does get some World Series rings, you know, starting with this one and more MVP awards to go down as a, a baseball icon. He's one of the more famous players of this era. It's a stratosphere that not many reach. Serena Williams certainly reached it. You seem very worked up that Serena is being a bit ambiguous about the end of her career. What's the problem? Well, it's just it, it's not so much, you know what, if if she never committed to retiring, if that's what she's saying, that, she, that she's just sort of evolving away from tennis after the U.S. Open. She says that she said that she stopped short of saying she was fully retiring. The problem I have is the whole, you know, the buildup after each match. And then the speech that took away from uh, Tom Janovich's win. I mean, say that. Say that then. Say, you know what? Uh, I appreciate the love and everything, but I am not going to take away from Isla's win, number one. Number two, when I officially retire, we'll do this properly, but I'm not. But there was a big spectacle that was made. There was a whole presentation every time she stepped on the court. I and hey, I am not a anti Serena. I have been on record on this show, on other shows. I have said Serena athlete, Serena, Serena Williams is probably the greatest female athlete, if not right now. I mean, she, she you could argue put her in the top five athletes, male or women or male or female. But. It's the whole emotional send-off and the whole presentation and the whole drama, everything that was involved. Now, all of a sudden, she's clarifying and having to come out and say, I'm not retired. What was all the, the buildup of the bye-bye speech for? I mean, not everyone wants to retire when they want you to, when other people want you to retire. Tom Brady's going through the same thing. Right. So, okay, but we don't know what's going on but with people Tom Brady. Want, people, so, fans and media want players to retire when they're still kind of close to the top and Serena's still kind of close to the top. They don't want to see the downfall and for a lot of athletes are like, yeah, I'm not ready. I don't mind part of the downfall. That's the challenge to avoid that happening anytime soon. Okay, but the difference between yeah, Serena, right. Serena and Tom probably, Brady last she was year. She caught in this zone where she's like, but she well, didn't, well, I but think she I'm saying done, she so didn't. I'm going to take all these ceremonies and then she, you know, she and she even said it at the time a little bit. Okay, About the finality, she pointed out like there may not be. She left the door open, but what I'm saying is, okay, do that away from. I I just feel as if I'm just saying we're we're we're. This is all coming out. She made this presentation at at an appearance. I'm not retired. Um, The chances of her return are very high. The speech and the whole presentation after she was she lost was unnecessary. Tom Brady, he retired, and then he comes back. I think he wants to go out on his terms. I think that if anybody, per Kurt Warner's 
message he him before uh, Rodgers because he's got some things going on off the field. But anyway, I just I, it just goes back to the whole drama during the U.S. Open. Number three. Kobe Bryant certainly is an icon. I led in talking about icons. He walked at the right time. Hell, his final game, he had 60 points. It was one of the more amazing games I've seen. That was an emotional night. Yeah, my guy. Boy, this Redeem Team mm. documentary that's out, and I know you watched it, and I watched it last week. It was really well done. I actually got a little misty-eyed. Did you? Well, because I really liked the the charge from 2004 to 2006 to 2008 to get the gold medal back and I felt like for those of us who were rooting for the USA men's basketball team in 2004 and 2006 and 2008 there was an us against them mentality and by the way if people are listening right now and they're like what is this guy talking about on sports radio when he or as I just said it when those of us were actually rooting for the team yeah I remember I was part of a smaller crew than normal. A lot of you folks didn't like Team USA. I did. And to be reminded of it and the fact that they came together and won a gold, I thought was awesome. I felt kind of patriotic in the moment. I don't always feel that way, right? Basketball teams shouldn't do that for you. But the story turned out to be a lot of what Kobe did for that team, and it gave you another level of appreciation for the kind of competitor he was and how serious he took basketball and how the rest of the guys on the team had to come to grips with the fact that the world had caught up and you got to take this seriously and you got to be a team and Kobe was a big driving force behind that and of course you know it was done a lot of the the growing was done here in the state of Nevada here in Las Vegas yeah last week on this day on this show JVT he said this was this was why he was reluctant to he was holding off on watching it because he didn't want to watch a Kobe show. He wanted to watch about the Redeem. I said, you're missing my point in talking about it. When I say Kobe tribute, it's not that it was about Kobe. It was it was more so, realistically, it was about this team with youngsters named LeBron and Dwayne who sat back and watched the older guys lose and then wished that they had been a part of it. And then those guys come in and they couldn't get it done. And it wasn't about Kobe coming in and doing anything specific. It was that his presence allowed them to see greatness and yep. understand work ethic from afar. The story, like I obviously, I shared over and over leading up to the release of this, the trailer and the the reel, the promotional reel of where he barrels into <laughs> Pau Gasol because that was like the most compelling reel that was on Instagram. Yeah. But the story, the most poignant one was where Carmelo Anthony's telling how, yeah, we all went out. We were ready to go party. We come walking in the hotel at 5 in the morning. They were at the club. I think they were at Trist. They walked into the Bellagio. You know, it's the end of the the day for them at 6 in the morning. And what's Kobe doing? He's he's going to the gym. Yeah, he's in the lobby. He's like, yeah, I'm going to work out. The day started. Like, what are you basically – I don't even think he said, like, what are you guys doing? They all looked at him and like, oh, crap. Yeah, so the next day, he, he explains. It started with LeBron and Dwayne. He said, by the end of the week, the entire team was up at 5, 6 in the morning going to the gym with Kobe. That Kobe didn't and Kobe didn't say, hey, you guys get it together. You're either with me or you're not. You, you do what you want. I'm going to do what I do. Yeah, that's, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You want to keep going party and go ahead. But I know what I'm doing. They already had seen and witnessed greatness. 
of what Kobe was capable of doing, how he was capable of turning around a franchise and doing this and this and winning championships. Oh, we better start doing what he's doing. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Really, really good piece. It's not super long, but about the Redeem team, you know, getting the Team USA back on track. And actually, you know, surprisingly for most of us in Nevada who aren't big fans of Coach K, he came off pretty well as well. Number two. All right, two of the icons of football right now. We were just talking about Serena not wanting to walk away. We mentioned Tom Brady. Kurt Warner just came out and said, hey, I think both of those guys, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, look like they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. It's okay to go, you know what? It's not how it used to be. I may not be who I used to be, or it's just too hard overall to get everybody up to the standard. Maybe it is time to walk away. I find that fascinating. That last part there about what Rodgers and Brady are facing, I may, oh, I'm sorry, it's just too hard overall to get everybody up to the standard. Isn't that what drives you as an older athlete to kind of drag people along? This is still a work in progress for both guys. Should they be considering, hey, I'm tired, I need to walk away? And that let the, To me, that's like antithetical to who they've been and what they do. I don't think that, uh, so first of all, I you, we have talked about this. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers should in any way, shape, or form. I think it's exactly what you just said, and I think what we just talked about with the Mamba mentality in that it should be what drives you. And I think we heard that from James Jones just you know a little bit ago on the show in that he's spoken to Aaron Rodgers. He's like, no, he's not tired of it. It's, it's getting everybody up to standard. With Tom Brady, it's different. Okay? There's extenuating circumstances there's extenuating, around him and, right and, now. And there's a reason he looks exhausted. He's mentally exhausted and tired for what he's going through off the – I don't think that he expected to have to go through this, but he brought it upon himself. So if you have to step away, you know, but he's come out and said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not quitting midseason. He's been put, and I said that a couple weeks ago, hey, this dude needs to decide what's more important. That's why I actually think the Buccaneers are a great play tonight because they've had a short week. Remember, he had he demanded the Wednesdays off, right? So he had the mandatory Tuesday off. He has his own personal day on Wednesday. It's What does it give him time to do? He's not, he's not getting any mental rest because when he's not on the field and he's at home, he's got to have to deal with now with lawyers and Giselle and the kids and what am I going to do and my family. I don't have a cohesive home to go to. I don't have peace. I don't have anything. I have strife wherever I go. My team's losing and my life is losing. Guess what? Sunday, and then you look up, it's Monday. Oh, my gosh, we got to get ready for a game Thursday. I think he might look his best because he's had no time to deal with the off-field issues. As far as walking away from the game, looking tired, yes. Brady looks exhausted mentally. Rodgers is just frustrated. I don't think either one needs to walk away in terms of their football game. Brady maybe just because of what he's going through until he gets ironed out. Who do you think is more likely to throw in the towel and not fight through the adversity? Brady. Between Brady and Rodgers. Really? Brady. I think it's Rodgers. I don't. I think Rodgers has already expressed some hesitancy about coming back. Right now, and has said, you know, he said. You're talking about during the offseason? Or yes. you're talking about. Oh. They're another one's going to quit during the season. Okay. But if they look at the offseason as, hey, there's more hurdles to get yeah. over to yeah. win, like yeah. we both don't. Yeah. Neither one of us won, right? Yeah. Who wants to keep going yeah. on? I think it's Brady. Yeah. I think Rodgers already expressed that, hey, yeah. his hunger for football no, is just not as strong as it used to be. I thought be. you were saying, like, right now. Like, if they were to no, say, neither right one's going to walk. Okay. That, that whole thing yeah. is completely ridiculous. Okay, no, no, no. I'm with you then. Yeah, absolutely. After, after this season. Because, see, then Brady can address this whole thing, get on with it, and then he's going to want to redeem this. He's going to want to redeem what took place yeah. this season. 
Absolutely. I, I, I think a tired Brady yeah. goes to the offseason yeah. if they don't win. Yeah. He goes to the offseason, settles most of the stuff, and Dream. I think he's going to look – yeah, you're right. Dream I think focus. he's going to look at it like I got a point to prove, and I'm yeah. still good. Yeah. I want to keep working. Yeah. I, you know, you and I love this freaking story. Well, especially uh, I love it. It's that whole – Hey, you know, it's the work-home relationship, juggling all these things, you know, in the face of adversity, when this part of your life is struggling, what the hell do you do? Because it's such a normal person story. Like, the pressure may not be at the same level. You know, you're not in in front of cameras and all the shiny lights. Yeah. But a lot of people deal with this. And you know what? A lot of men, which you know I'm a big advocate, a lot of men deal with issues and here's a prime example of our release is to go watch sports or to that's how you want to unwind. And you look at, man, if my life could be like, well, here's a perfect example right. of the GOAT <laughs> who's got how much of millions of dollars waiting for him in a broadcast booth. And look at what he's going through. You want to live that life? That's what you're wishing? We all go through it no matter what level you are on. There's something that's infiltrating our head at some point in time, our cerebral health, that causes our mental health to get into shape, and Tom Brady is going through it. Number one. So top story, and we'll carry this past 420. It's Willie Ramirez, Steve Cofield, we're out Silver 7s getting ready for Thursday night football. You just slipped it in there. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen tonight? The setup for this game is fascinating. Ravens? And the Bucs have both underachieved. People are writing off the Bucs as if they're dead in the water. This is a good game, and the betting has gone back and forth. You know what? Hold your tongue because mm. I, I know you feel really strongly mm. about this one. So we'll get into picks for this game. We'll break it down. This is a tremendous, tremendous Thursday night football game. 77-cent beers for Thursday night football and all NFL games at Silver 7, Flamingo, and Paradise, you're listening to the Battleborn Sports Hour, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyer, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. You know, we were just talking about icons of sport of recent times. Bryce Harper maybe getting there with some more winning, some more MVPs. Serena, forget about it. No comparison to any female in the history of tennis. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And at some point, you have to decide, and Bryce isn't there yet, but the other three had to or have to decide when they're going to walk and if they want to overcome hurdles. And a guy who had to overcome a lot of hurdles and had his career kind of ruined by a hip injury was Bo Jackson. And Bo's name came up a lot this last week because of Josh Jacobs' job on the field, rushing Mm -hmm. 440 three-plus times, you know, three games in a row. And Bo was mentioned a bunch. And it it's interesting timing because there's a book out now by Jeff Perlman. Q Myers over on Raider Nation Radio 920 caught up with Jeff Perlman. And the stories in this book of just, you know, Herculean strength and just superhuman abilities of Bo Jackson, highly entertaining. Uh, this part of the conversation starts out with, hey, why write a book about Bo Jackson? I just feel like, in a way, writing about Bo is like writing about John F. Kennedy or Tupac or Marilyn Monroe, except he's not dead. Like, it's about someone who vanished young from our consciousness, who was explosive and had this dynamic impact either on pop culture or whatever, and then just was gone. And I thought that's really something that fascinated me. It was just, I hate to use a cliche, but really a larger-than-life public figure, a marketing whirlwind a guy who did the, had these amazing moments climbing a wall, throwing out Howard Brenner's at home, running over Brian Bosworth, on and on and on. And then poof, one day he's gone. 
and I just was really fascinated by this idea of folklore and mystique in sports. And he did have that mystique. And Jeff, it's so funny watching him perform and whatever he did. And I say perform because that's what it felt like when he was on the football field as a performance. When he was playing baseball as like a performance, it always looked like it was so effortless to me. Like it looked like he wasn't even really working hard, even though we know there was a lot of work that went into that. It's really interesting. He's a very, very natural athlete. There's no doubt about it. He's not a guy who had to grind and grunt. And you know, like I carry Gary Sheffield. I covered him when he was with. The, well, you also cheated with steroids, but besides that, like the guy was always in the cage, always working, yeah. you know, would go to the Dominican and play with, like Bo, until he got hurt, until he had a hip injury and he had to come back and play with the White Sox, it was pretty natural. He wasn't lifting weights, he wasn't running, he wasn't swimming in the pool. Like, he could eat five whoppers and look the same a week later. And um, so I think, yeah, he definitely, he was a hard-nosed player. Mm-hmm. And he went hard and he wanted to win, but I wouldn't say he was Marcus Allen in regards to work ethic and doggedness. I just wouldn't, to be honest with you. Like, first of all, he's so ludicrous, it's not even funny. When I say ludicrous, he was um, he won back-to-back state decathlon championships as a junior and senior in high school. He was, he was so far ahead in points, he skipped the 1500, the last event, because he hated distance running. His senior year, he won the state decathlon on a sprained ankle. The next day, the baseball team was in the state playoffs, needed someone to pitch. Bo Jackson hadn't pitched all year. He struck out 13 in the win. Jeez. He also stole 90 of 91 bases in high school. He, um, he set five state track and field records, and um, he set a national single-season home run record with 20 in 25 games, and he didn't play 32 games because he missed seven games for track and field. He, he played in the first night baseball game ever at the University of Georgia when he was at Auburn, so they had lights for the first time. In his second at bat, he hit the lights. And this is 39 days before The Natural came out of movie theaters. Like, everything about him. He once hit a baseball in, uh, in high school that was so high, by the time it touched ground, he was at third base. And if you think that's nonsense, I get it. But I interviewed 10 different people from that game, including the left fielder, who swears to me Bo is on third base by the time the ball touched the ground. That is insane. That is just, I mean, that, that makes no sense, right? That There's no way that that ever happens except for we're talking about Bo Jackson and that happens. Again, the book is called The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. Jeff Perlman is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And, and Jeff, as much as Raider Nation loves Bo Jackson for what he was able to do on the gridiron, I always attest that if he had just played baseball, which he obviously he didn't, but if he just played baseball, he could be a Hall of Famer right now could have had a Mike Trout-type career. Mm-hmm. The physical similarities between Trout, Trout, uh, Mike Trout and Bo Jackson are, are you know, numerous. Um, but he didn't. He just didn't. And right. I think if he had stayed healthy, I think in football, he would have had an Eric Dickerson career. I think if he had kept playing baseball, he would have had, like a, I would say, like a Ruel Mondesi or Sean Green. Like a really, really good career. But he never devoted himself fully to the sport of, football, of uh, baseball. His coach at Auburn, Mel Rosen, wanted him to focus exclusively on track and field um, and, and believed he had legitimate Olympic talent. I mean, he, he ran some of the fastest times in Auburn history, and he barely ran, and he barely practiced when he was there for track. Like, he would show up on off days, but he didn't practice. He just showed up and had a natural, just burst. The guy was, wait, the guy when he was with the Raiders, he showed up in 87, and on grass they timed him in the 40, and they ran a 419. Jeez. Four and um, and then uh, they didn't believe it, so they timed him again, and he ran a four one seven. Wow, even faster, right? Okay, <laughs> you don't you don't believe my speed? Let me run it a little bit faster. And if people 
if people don't know what that means, Tyreek Hill has never run a four one seven. Right. Exactly. And, and we talk about him as the as the fastest dude alive just about when it comes to yep. NFL players. Again, Jeff Perlman is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And so what does it say about Bo when, you know, he doesn't really even want to talk about himself? He's not a braggadocious guy. He's not a guy out there, you know, pumping himself up. He's just, you know, a grandfather now. He, he mentioned that the other day. He was on, I believe, ESPN. He mentioned he's a grandfather. He doesn't play Tecmo Bowl, never has. He's going to give it to his grandson uh, when he gets older. I mean, just he's just so low key. What does that say about Bo? It says a lot about his character in a good way. It says that he's not a guy who's hanging out to the past. You're not going to walk in his house and see an enormous trophy room with all his jerseys hanging up. He's not going to talk about Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs and say, oh, man, he should do it like I did it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's not that guy. And it's beautiful. He's not going to be selling bonos, uh, you know, uh, chicken thighs or bonos coins or bonos slinkies. <laughs> like, he'll do a commercial every now and then if they're good and they're funny. He's had a very good business career just a decent human being and he's happy with his place and that's why when you people like you guys and i say it's such a shame he doesn't feel that way right like he did what he wanted to do it's not a shame to him his life has been blessed one time he was at like a team lunch for the auburn baseball team and there were six flies on a windowsill and he goes watch this to his teammate trey Gaines, reaches out his hand grabs all six flies in one swoop then it opens up his fingers one by one and the flies singularly fly out of his hand okay bo is still alive when you tell stories like this, like this sounds like tales of like Babe Ruth, you know, like it's 90 years ago and the, the last remaining few people who are around Bo Jackson are telling stories. The fly story. Come on now. This book is sounds super interesting. It's Bo Jackson by uh, Jeff Perlman, the last folk hero, the life and myth of Bo Jackson. And by the way, Raider Nation Radio 920, all Raider station for the folks in Reno, LVSportsNetwork.com is where you can listen to that station. That's. Q Myers, who's on in the afternoon uh, in basically this time slot between 2 and 5. So good interview there. And it was worth playing today with the talk of all these different icons. And, and Bo's another guy. You know, we, we were talking about Kobe and TB12 and A-Rodge and Serena and Bryce Harper. Uh, Bo's another guy who had a crossroads in his sports career, Willie, where he's like, all right, do I keep doing this? Because I probably can't do what I used to do. But, you know, he tried to come back, and he made a comeback from the hip injury. It, you know, it didn't go perfectly, but it's all about resilience, not to be too cheesy. By the way, speaking of cheesy, I saw a comment. I just saw this one up on Twitter. I saw a comment. I guess I should set this up by saying, what do you think of Russell Wilson in that story yesterday about him doing, like, knee lifts and was, like, he said he was working out on the plane, he napped for an hour, and he was just, you know, a bundle of energy getting ready for the, the game in London. Did you did you dislike him for that? No. So a lot of people like were all over him. Like he's a cheese ball, he's a corn ball. No. I'm like hey, he's a professional athlete if that's if that's how he wants to get ready and if he feels like he needs to talk about it, why do we have to hate him for it? It's I mean a lot of the stuff if you, if you're in if you're a you know a journalist or radio or TV host who played sports but couldn't get past uh, Pop Warner, and so you just started going to J school or going to take J classes in high school or couldn't get past your high school team. You go out and watch the Raiders first 20 minutes or you go watch, you know, uh, guess what they're doing? They're doing a bunch of dynamic stretching. They're doing things to properly recover your body, properly prepare your body. When you go through injuries and you go through different 
you put your body through trauma, there are specific things that you do. We heard Josh Jacobs tell us the different things he had to do, not just in a weight room. There are some guys that do yoga to get their bodies and their mind mentally correct. So, so, we, have, so we get it. Yeah. We, we think we yeah. get it. But there are a lot of people out there when they heard that story of Russell Wilson you know, running around the plane basically while everyone else was sleeping. They thought, cheese ball, he's annoying, and he's Johnny try too hard. So I want you to think about this for a second. Let's go with that narrative, right, that he's Johnny try too hard. Okay. He's annoying in the workplace as a coworker. I saw this from a college football writer. If you haven't worked with a Russell Wilson, you're the Russell Wilson. Have you worked with a Russell Wilson? Like Johnny try too hard where you're like, dude or lady, come on. Are you trying to make us look bad? It's hard to say because I, for the last 20 years I've been a freelance. Yeah, you do a lot of solo stuff. So, yeah, so to be in an office. But I have been in – I definitely – I will say this. During my five and a half years with the last tax-paying job, if you will, full-time job, there were one or two people under the roof of the Review Journal that were definitely – they're no longer there. So it's nobody you know. Names? Text me? No, I'll tell you one of them. I'll tell you one of them, and he's he's a good guy. You're, like, you're trying to make us look bad. No, no, no. I'll tell you who who the guy is now at the RJ. Who? It's Adam Hill. <laughs> no, it's Adam Hill. He's not. He's oh, I would Adam, so, I would Adam's, so despise that guy if I worked for that paper. I'd be like, all right, bro, take a day off. Johnny tried. Russell Wilson. I don't think that he's Johnny Tryhard though. That's just Adam. That's just what Adam does. Adam just. I mean, all right. Adam shows up just. I'll to, tell you. Just I'll to, tell you just, who at the state. I'll t- at the station. Who's a Johnny Try Too Hard? Is a guy. You know. These guys who do weekend shows, they're booking all their, their own guests, they're doing their own production. It's, it's uh, annoying. Annoying. Very, very annoying. Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. We come back with uh, Johnny Try Too Hard over here with his pick on Bucks and Ravens. Lamar Jackson needs to win this game the most. Because of Tom Brady's roster being depleted, essentially, Right, because of his O-line, because of all the players that are missing, the built-in excuse already, all the things that are happening off the field. Like Lamar Jackson now, they have not been strong. They have not closed out games that we feel like they should have won. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. College football betting expert Brad Powers coming up in less than 10 minutes. We'll get leans and likes for this week in college football. Play on Thursday night football as well. Jay Will from the morning show on ESPN National. There, getting us ready for the Ravens and the Bucks. Willie's got a a pick coming up here. He's got an angle or angles on the game. I was almost screaming uh, during the break about something. Well, kind of non-related to the show, but it caught my attention. Do you like these uh, these kind of sport coat slash hoodies? I saw Becky Hammond that, yeah, break one that, yeah. out. Uh, during the WNBA season, during and the and, and and Andrew, I wasn't there every game. Uh, Andrew Whitworth is wearing it tonight on TV. Are you good with this? Or are you gonna, that, are, are you going to get after Becky too? No, is that sewn in, or is he actually wearing a sport coat over his hoodie? I think uh, I think it's sewn in. Becky's was yeah no, and she had the entire staff. They were either. Uh, black with white, black with gray, black with red. Did you I ever believe. get on her in a press conference about that? Like after a blowout win, you're like, let me ask you a question. What are we doing here? Uh, is it a hoodie or no, is it a sport No, Steve, because she's making a million dollars a year. Okay. And she can wear whatever so the hell what? she wants. I, I'm not, who am I, I to might question? Have some, I might have a critique for some of your suits some days. 
I have the right to do that. Now we you are, can fire we, back at me or you know nothing about clothes, you slob. We are equals. <laughs> you are above me. Well, not really. No. <laughs> what? Well, the show's not called Ramirez and Company. It could be any moment. Okay. Who knows? Well, the downfall is coming. All I'm saying is that Becky can wear whatever the heck she wants. I mean, the, the, I will say, I have credit to Becky with this. Very jealous. She wears a select set of shoes and some. She wears Burberry. Okay. I want some Burberry. She's got Burberry shoes. One day I told Asher, I said, you're going to come in with some Burberry? And she came in just for the pregame pre- during the WNBA Finals. It was like her pregame presser. Yeah. So I, I'm not gonna about to sweat her about her hoodie right. sport coats when the woman I mean, the woman sports Burberry for, for, for five minutes for a press conference, and she's got Burberry shoes. All, all I want is a couple of accessories. I really should embrace the hoodie jacket because I, yeah, I, I love hoodies. Like, uh, I'm doing TV for Nevada. And uh, UNLV on Silver State Sports yeah, uh, Entertainment Network. I probably do. should. What, what if? What if I don't do the combo like the actual? Like you can buy it together. What if I just have this like an old hoodie. thick? Hoodie. I'm gonna have to buy a big big jacket because I'm getting too fat to have a hoodie on and have the jacket fit. Well, you just get a slim foot, slim fit hoodie from Perfect, as as Jordan. Okay, as, there you as, go. As, get as the pigeon. Well, it actually does it have the perfect signage on the front. Well, we'll try to get so you get some TV. Please well, okay. turn it inside. Right, we'll work well, out yeah, that yeah, deal. we'll definitely. Do That'll that. be nil, though. I'll have to charge you something. <laughs> um, all right. So before we get to Brad Powers, give me an angle here. What's what's going on with the Bucks and the Ravens? What do you want to do? Uh, Bucks have been getting bet, or at least the numbers been moving in their favor. It's two. Bucks favored forty six and a half is the total. I do. I well, as I explained earlier when we were talking about Tom Brady, I just think that he he's been able to focus. They've lost four of their last five. Okay, two of them were to Green Bay. They beat Atlanta. Then they go on the road, they lose at Pittsburgh, at Carolina. They're finally home for the start of a three-game homestand before their bye week. It's the Ravens, the Rams, and the Seahawks. But the fact that they can zero in and Tom Brady hasn't been distracted, I like that angle. But on the defensive side, Lamar Jackson, in his first three games of the season, his pass percentage, 63.64, and he was able to somewhat do what he wanted to do on the ground. His last four games, Steve, uh, not that impressive, 59.6%. His rushing yards have gone down yards, and he's been under duress. The Buccaneers are one of the highest blitz uh, percentage teams per dropback at 31.9, I believe, percent per dropback. They're going to have blitz packages that are going to frustrate Lamar Jackson. At home, they're more of a must-win than Jay Will said that the Ravens are. I like the Buccaneers. College football picks on the way. Also some plays on the Thursday night football game. Cofield and Company with the Battleborn Sports Hour presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in Nevada, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. All right, let's do it. Time to get some winners. Brad Powers is with us at Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, BradPowersSports.com. What's up, Brad? Hey, what's happening? Do you uh, enjoy your trip to South Bend? Uh, you know, it was interesting. I were you the one who talked about the city maybe not being the the greatest city? The school's awesome, but the school the the city's not the greatest. That was me. Yeah. Okay, I got a lot of feedback. Um, I only got to see limited parts of it because we actually didn't stay uh, in South Bend. We stayed in Michigan City, about uh, forty minutes away. But you know, I I, I thought the sports complex. The stadium itself, you know, all the arenas and stadiums there was really neat. Obviously, it's a super old campus. 
And I found some places in town to hang out at. Linebacker Lounge right near the stadium is awesome. So I thought it was pretty cool. Good. Yeah. Glad you enjoyed it. It worked. I can, you know what? Um, I tout on the Mountain West Trail. I tout uh, Albuquerque and Fresno is cool places. So I can, I can have a good time. You have a little bit of beer. And at this Linebacker Lounge, there were some old <laughs> ladies like cussing at me and stuff. I'm like, I'm all about this. Let's do this. So if I can get that in every city, I'm good to go. Before we go uh, head first into college football, what do you have on this game tonight? Because the numbers moved all over the place with the Ravens and the Bucks. Oh, wow. I mean, you got to respect the money that's come in on Tampa Bay. Or do you? Because, I mean, Tampa Bay's taking big-time money each of the last few weeks, and how's that worked out? But traditionally, I do tend to lean more towards the home team in this extremely short you know, week. week. Obviously, Tampa Bay needs to win more than Baltimore. With that being said, uh I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna fade the line move a little bit, and in what way I'm gonna do it? I'm gonna take Baltimore, which wasn't available just 24 hours ago. I'm gonna take them in a six-point teaser, and I'll tease them with the Broncos in the London game. So uh, Baltimore plus eight, uh, tied in with uh, Denver plus eight and a half. I love that you bet into panic situations for others. You know, right now people are looking at Denver and they're like, "Suck!" You know, it's it's a long season. It's a it's a long season, and it's gonna be. A lot of how we look at the college football slate here in a couple of minutes with some of the Saturday games. But one Thursday spot with Brad Powers, did you do something with uh, Washington State hosting Utah? I didn't, but right now I know it sounds square. Uh, we've seen some money come in on Washington State. I'd, I'd fade that now at seven. I mean, I made the number eight. Uh, so Utah minus seven for me. I would be worried if Utah had to play immediately after that big win against SC, but the fact that they had a bye last Saturday, I, I think, allows them to refocus themselves. And look, they can ill afford another loss with Oregon and SC uh, right there in the mix. UCLA, a uh, team that already beat them as well. They, I mean, <laughs> they, they can't count uh, on losing another game and getting to the Pac-12 championship game. So uh, I think they're focused here. Give me the Utes minus seven. So, Brad, last year during the bowl games, I can't remember which bowl it was. There was a bowl game I was really high on, and you were fading the other side. But I want to say that the number had moved, so you you might have been playing both. Last week, I was high on Liberty. You were fading that. You liked BYU. I don't know whether we're at, we're at the point where I'm hoping for a do theory and I finally lock up with you, or if I just hope that you're continue to be on the opposite side because I really love Iowa this week. Please tell me you like the Hawkeyes. I do like the Hawkeyes. Oh, wow. uh, I think it's, <laughs> a lot of people are probably surprised that they're laying, you know, what they would perceive to be a big number. I don't think it's that big. I made it 14. I bet Iowa on Sunday morning. Uh, I also believe it or not, bet the over. They, they opened a total at 31 and a half. That was as low of a total I've ever seen at the FBS level. So I bet over in Iowa, I think, uh, makes sense. And I'm not the, you, you talk about the do theory. Well, I mean, I don't obviously, you know, play into that, but this screams to me like kind of a get-right game for Iowa yeah. and their uh, specifically their offense. Let's hit some of the Mountain West games. Uh, Nevada and San Jose State, the Pack are on the road, 24-and-a-half. Obviously, San Jose State's dealing with a lot of emotion since one of their players passed away a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and you wonder how that impacts them. Uh I, I'll say this again, play numbers. I, I can't, you know, look, I'm not 20 anymore. I can't put my mind in a 20-year-old. So, for me, it comes down to a number, and I think it's expensive, especially with a low total. Uh, I mean, 24 and a half, I think, is about two, three points too high. So, I did bet Nevada here, even though as bad as the Wolfpack has been. Uh, Reno, I think, is the right side. 
Hawaii catching 10.5 at home against Wyoming? Under for me, I haven't got into, you know, the reason, you know, for it, but Hawaii since the bye, specifically defensively, now some of it has to do with the quality of competition of the opposing offenses, but they have really figured some things out on the defense side of the ball. Keep in mind, I mean, that was one of the worst defenses in the country at the start of the season. It just ultimately might be competition when you're considering they're playing, you know, Michigan and whatnot. But uh, under 51 for me, market kind of disagrees. We've seen money come in on the total uh, on the over. But uh, uh, I, I, look, I'm not betting over in a Wyoming game, similar with Hawaii, with what they have offensively. Is Boise back enough where you're confident to lay 27.5 against Jay Norvell and CSU? That's a good question. Uh, we've seen money come in on the favorite and also the under. I mean, you don't have a lot of wiggle room with a total of 43 and trying to lay four touchdowns. But with that being said, I mean, how many points can Colorado State score here? I mean, I don't, I'm not sure they get to double digits. So I, I anticipated Boise money. I bet Boise on Sunday. Brad Powers uh, talking college football. Syracuse comes off the loss to Clemson. Notre Dame smacks UNLV, but now the Irish go to northern New York. I lean toward the orange. You say what? Yeah, so kind of a theme of this spot so far. Numbers, not teams. I came into Sunday expecting to bet Notre Dame uh, just because, you know, I thought Syracuse, that final score against Clemson was better than what I saw personally. I thought that, you know, obviously the four turnovers Clemson had played a big role in that game being really close. I mean, obviously officiating too, but uh, and then Notre Dame open favorite. So I bet Syracuse. Uh, I just uh, again, I think they deserve to be favored here. Now, everyone was going to ask them, well, "What do you bet now at the current number at two and a half? I think two and a half is about right. We saw buyback in Notre Dame at three, and the number I was expecting to get on Notre Dame, uh, two and a half is right where I was power ratings wise. So no bet for me. Brad Powers with us at Brad Powers Seven Up on Twitter. Kentucky, Tennessee. It's twelve. The Vols favored. Wanted 14 on Kentucky, never got there. So instead of a like and a bet, it's a lean on Kentucky. I mean, it's not ideal going against a, an offense perfectly capable of, you know, two touchdowns in, in a matter of two minutes. I mean, you can play, you know, really well against them and then boom, bang, two plays. And you, know, you got to lose, you go from winning ticket all game long to a losing ticket. Uh, I think Kentucky can do some things offensively, now that they've found a little bit of a ground game, uh, I, I guess the best defense for Tennessee's offense is just to keep them off the field entirely. And I think Kentucky's a team that can do that. So lean Kentucky for me. you think Ohio State rolls Penn State? Well, lean Penn State. I mean, the number looks super high considering the, you know, the series history between the two. Ohio State usually wins, but it's be a, you know, a close uh, variety. I mean, their last six have been decided by uh, – an average of six points per game. But, man, you start diving into the metrics, and you just don't see a huge pathway to success for Penn State. And you also, in the back of your mind, got to think what Michigan did to this Penn State team, uh, a game that Michigan won by 24. And probably, if you watched the game, you thought Michigan won by 44, the way they dominated them. So, again, another lean, not a like, uh, lean with the big dog here. Brad, I think the best team that will play in TIAA Bankfield this season – in Jacksonville will be the Georgia Bulldogs. They're laying 22 and a half to Florida. Your thoughts? I would still favor the Jags by 21 uh, over Georgia. Uh, if I had to bet that game, uh, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence or Stetson Bennett, come on now. Uh, I'm, I'm joking with you guys. You know, another historic point spread here. I mean, Georgia's in their biggest favorite role ever against Florida. 
typically that has me running to the window. I'll bet against, you know, as an historical outlier, but I'm not. Again, diving into the matchup, I don't see a pathway for much success here out of Florida. So I'm actually going to lean under 56.5. Again, I, I don't see Florida's offense having much success in this game. Group of five games soon to be a Big 12 game down the road. Central Florida, two against Cincy. So here's a like for me. Here's a bet. I like Central Florida here. I uh, not only I don't mind buying low after they lost by three touchdowns last week. You know, a lot of it had to do with a minus four turnover ratio. But I'm also selling a Cincinnati team that's won six straight games. They just haven't looked right to me. If you don't believe me, they've only covered one time against FBS opponents so far this season. Uh, they're, they're dead last, Cincinnati is, in, in penalties and penalty yardage. And, I mean, it, that, when, when you think the game's going to be close, the little things make a difference. You don't believe me? Look no further than that Texas-Oklahoma State game as far as penalties and, and how they played a role in last week's game. Weird spot with uh, two schools that are struggling. They're both going to be looking for a coach after the season. What the hell do you do with Colorado at home catching 13 against Arizona State? <laughs> Uh, not much as far as the side. I will say the 14 just popped at Circa. Uh, so that would be a leading indicator that Arizona State might close 14 here. But what I'd bet, I bet over. Uh, I just, man, Colorado's defense, uh, you know, it leaves a lot to be desired. They're, they're arguably the worst at the Power 5 level. Arizona State, now, look, you, you got to look past last week's game against Stanford. Uh, they actually have been running more tempo with the interim coach, so lean over for me. Michigan is nearly 24 points better than Michigan State, really? Yeah, I, I, I don't see that. I mean, my power ratings say it's about right, but I, this is one I'm not big on series history much anymore, but I've watched this one for the last two decades, and I've seen Michigan one time win by this margin over Michigan State. One time out of 19 and I know every year they talk about they're going to step on the throat of little brother, and the coaches change, the players change, and the result doesn't change in this rivalry. I, I, I like what I saw from Michigan State in their last game against Wisconsin. It was their best performance of the season. Give me Sparty here, one of my favorite plays of the week. What do we do at Jimbo and Texas A&M plus one and a half with Ole Miss in town? Uh, we put a clothespin on our nose, and we go ahead and, and bet the, the stinky underdog here. Exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, I when no one wants to bet a team, I usually want to bet that team. I think old it's more of a play against Ole Miss, who I think is a fraud because they played a weak strength of schedule. They got exposed last week in the second half against LSU, and they'll get exposed again on Saturday night. Last one, uh, final game of the Mountain West Conference. As we were talking about the uh, games around the Mountain West a couple minutes ago, I I just don't feel like Fresno State without Jake Hainer is eight and a, eight and a half points better than San Diego State. Am I crazy? Moose Maiden is now the quarterback. Uh, you know, crazy story with this lefty who was going to play safety for San Diego State, moving over and taking the job. Thankfully, from Burmeister. What do you think? Well, I do. I bet Fresno. Ah, uh, I gave I, the I whole lead what in. I've seen from them the last two games. So give me give me the Bulldogs too. I, I do think they're capable of getting some margin here against San Diego State. Fresno is very talented offensively, so as long as Fife just kind of anyway, – you don't want him to be a caretaker because he's got to use all the weapons, but it's kind of – I'm not comparing the situation, but in a lot of ways it's like a Tua where just – dude, get the get the ball short to these guys in space yeah. and they're going to run all over the field, Fresno is. Absolutely. And then on the other side, I mean, San Diego State, I don't care who's quarterback, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I you really see them scoring more than 14 points here? I don't. Possibly not. All right, Brad. We appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Have a winning weekend. That's the most important part. Absolutely it is. Take care, guys. Enjoy the game. Thanks there for having is. me.
Brad Powers, just crapping all over my pitch for San Diego State to slow down Fresno a little bit. I find this, the, the kid who moved from safety a couple weeks ago, and he was at uh, Mississippi State. He was a quarterback in the past, but big dude, slinging it around lefty. I hope he's not good a couple weeks from now as uh, UNLV will be on the road down in San Diego in their brand-new stadium. So, All right, so uh, remind people again, tonight you're going with what? I'm going with the Buccaneers, and I like the under. I think uh, we're going to see we, – we could possibly see Tom Brady's best game yet. Oh, wow. All right. Well, yeah. Mark, this is a promo, especially if it's wrong. Because yeah, I know you will text later tonight if they kick ass. You'll be like, pull that, make it a promo. I'm, I'm one of the few you know that admits when he's wrong. But you really admit when you're right. All you're, the time. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Silver 7's got on down here. 77-cent beers during all NFL games. Thanks to Reno for being with us. You can check out the full show, the archives, at lvsportsnetwork.com. So you've been listening to ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas on a Thursday.